Gray on Gray podcast, episode eight. Got my guy DP Harris, Don Paul Harris, <laughs> basketball coach, head basketball coach, St. Thomas University. Don Paul Harris, DP. We've been trying to get this thing going. You're the busiest guy on, the, on campus. All right. So just talk a little bit about how you got to St. Thomas. Well, I, uh, it's good to be here, Alex, and you're one of my favorite guys on campus, so he talks about this. But uh, no, I got to St. Thomas uh, really uh, from Pennsylvania. I worked at a uh, Benedictine Catholic College for 23 years and uh, had the wonderful opportunity to work with the Benedictine monks. And along the way, um, you know, it was the best time of my life. Uh, my wife wanted to come to Florida, and we had a, uh, have a stepson who was going through some things, and uh, we decided to come here and give it a chance. And uh, President Armstrong had uh, become a new president, and uh, I had uh, been familiar with him from being at Thomas More College in uh, Kentucky. And uh, so I uh, took a leap of faith and came here and been working with you guys ever since. So you started your career as an NAIA coach, correct? Started as an NAIA guy and uh, coached a few years of high school basketball. Where uh, at? Wheeling Park High School in Wheeling, West Virginia, where oh, I played. And Sydney Moss, who uh, works here, uh, her father uh, played at DuPont High School. And uh, we, uh, and they also had Jason Williams. And uh, you coached we, against them? We, I coached against them. Yeah, I'm old, man. And uh, so uh, it was my first uh, high school game. And we played them in the Cole Classic in Charleston, West Virginia, and we beat them. And then later that year, because they were just coming out of football, later that year uh, they went on to win the state championship. But, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So you, were at, you went from there to St. Vincent? Yeah. And then uh, you were in the American Mid, what is it, American, American Mid-East Conference. Mid-East yeah. Conference. That's Division II NAIA mm-hmm. basketball. Which Absolutely. You competed against... Walsh University uh, on a handful of occasions. A guy by the name of Jeff Young. Jeff Young, Your yeah. nemesis. Not my nemesis. Uh, Jeff Young is <laughs> a, a great coach. Actually, we both got our jobs the same year. And uh, okay. we both When he became, became the head coach. Yeah, when, when coach he became, Lloyd passed. Yeah, when Coach okay. Lloyd passed, we both became head coaches at the same time. We were probably two of the hottest young coaches in the country. Um, together, our record our first year was probably uh, we lost four games and uh, – he lost two to me. I lost one to him. Uh, I lost in the national tournament. He won the national championship. Won the natty. So, yeah. That was y'all first year? Yeah. Th- those that was his first, first full-time year. Yeah, his first full-time year, Because the year before that was when Coach Lloyd passed. Yeah, he took over he in the middle of the year. Yeah. But he got Robert Whaley, and, you know, Jared got him that guy. And, you know, he had an advantage. I had all those nice, you know, kids on my team. You know, I didn't have a Robert Whaley. I mean, University of Cincinnati. I mean, I just, you know, I just had four All-Americans. You have four All-Americans. He got the D1 stud, uh-huh. who was a second-round draft pick. I want to say I think he was number 42 overall. I just remember watching the draft, seeing him get drafted, and he eventually Why do you think I came back to the NAI? I had to steal page out of his book. That's what we're doing here with these D1 transfers. Taking some D1 transfers. Man, just trying to do what Walsh did. Doing your thing here. Yeah. I mean, well, all you guys are from Ohio, so I got to do something like you guys. What do you mean, do something like us? You know, I got to have that Ohio trend. You know, you guys, <laughs> most of the guys that work here, you guys are all Ohio guys, so I got to kind of pillage in You're there, from you know two I mean? hours away from exactly. where we're from. Yeah, exactly. Two and a half hours away from yeah. Cleveland, Ohio. It's just the difference between Cleveland and Pittsburgh are those six Super Bowl championships. 
right? Uh, yeah, no, that's a big deal. That's a big yeah. deal. Talk about that. Talk about the Steelers. That I was leading you there all the way. Probably one of the, uh, you know, we had a chance to go to Steeler training camp, and uh, I really think it's where football started. I, I really believe that the Roonies and, and, and what football stands for in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, at St. Vincent College, 52 years they've been the summer home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, Alex and I both had a chance to be there. Part of my job was I helped run training camp for my years at St. Vincent, and when I came here, I, I saw Alex, and I said, I got to get this guy up uh, to St. Vincent, not because I want to make him a Steeler fan or anything like that, but I think the more that you can see leadership and you can see different uh, programs, whether it's at the NFL or you know college level or high school, you know, I think uh, if you can help somebody out in life and you have a key, you should always open doors up for people. Well, talk about some of the guys who helped you out. Like, so from, the, you know, your first time coaching and as you've moved through the ranks as a head coach mm -hmm. and, you know, assistant coach to head coach, high school to college, who were some of the guys in, that shaped your leadership style? Well, I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, so I'd have to say Skip Prosser, who was the head coach of Xavier and went to Wake Forest, but he was our high school coach. And my brother went to Wheeling Catholic Central. And then Sam Andy, who won 500 games at Wheeling Park High School, where I played. And then we had Jim O'Brien, who was the head coach of Wheeling Jesuit, and he took them to the Final Four. And Same guy was at Ohio State? No, uh, he was at the head coach of the Pacers, oh, okay. and uh, he was the head coach of the 76ers. Uh, but Coach O'Brien, uh, he was our local college coach and uh, he did a great job. And then I'd have to say just the, um, you know, through the years, uh, you know, I became a head coach so early, but uh, there's a guy from Medina, Ohio, Joe DeRosa, he's an NBA referee, and uh, Gene Steratore. You know, if you look on my uh, credenza over there, you would see a picture of uh, Gene, who's an NFL referee. He was a college referee in basketball, but he impacted my my career pretty uh, a lot because he taught me about what referees think and um, then I, I would say definitely uh, Coach Tomlin, the Rooney organization, you know, Mr. Rooney and just the access to them, the players, Ramon Foster, but uh, Willie Colon, all those guys. What did you kind of get from them? Like what did Coach Tomlin and the Rooney's like what like about their leadership styles was it that? I tell you what, I what they taught me was to respect the man. Uh, to respect somebody uh, and see past the money. Uh, Mr. Rooney was a very simple man uh, and just that organization of being humble, uh, that we're blessed to coach this game, to be around the players, uh, to teach people lifelong skills. One of, my, one of my friends that I really look up to, uh, I think he's the most successful guy I know. and. Uh, is Jed Hughes. He runs Corey and Corey, and uh, he manages Corey and Corey, and he, he's, uh, he just started his own podcast. Uh, but he coached, and I was listening to his podcast, he coached with seven Hall of Fame coaches, started his career at UCLA, worked for Bo Schembechler, uh, worked for uh, Chuck Knoll, um, worked for Tony Dungy. It's amazing what this man has done. And, um, you know, I played golf with him uh, a few days ago with him and his son. And when you get around that type of leadership, you know you're in the room of excellence. Anytime I got to be around Mr. Green, uh, Joe Green, 
Um, you know, if you look at, I mean, Roger Goodell is right, right there. Uh, the pitcher's right there. Uh, John Madden. I didn't really get to know those guys, but just to be around them, uh, they carried themselves in a certain way. And, and to me, the conversations that I had with, whether it was Kevin Colbert or, you know, Mike Tomlin, Mike and I, we never talk about football. We always talk about our kids. Uh, we talk about what's going on in America. Uh, you know, what's going on? How can we help people? Uh, I always like, I think that's what resonated with me was, uh, you know, working with the people all across the years. We never talked about football. We always talked about uh, helping people. So I, just knowing you a little bit and having been around you for the last year and a half or whatever it's been and taking, you know, the trip to Latrobe and seeing where you used to work and mm -hmm. interacting with some of your former players. Obviously, we got Ket here. Mm -hmm. Dr. Jeff Mallory is a guy mm -hmm. who you've connected me with, who I have great respect for in the short time that he and I have known each other. Um, talk a little bit about how you develop those relationships because one of the things that I've noticed about you and what is attractive about some of the places that you've been is those relationships. You have lifelong relationships with your former players, their kids, their spouses, all of those different things. And just, you know, how did, how do you develop that relationship with your guys? Again, I mean, I think it's, you know, um, my wife and I, we are, I am godparents to several of my former players' kids. Um, we have traveled the country uh, with my players, uh, our players, uh, you know, whether we took them to Vegas or Chicago, wherever we went, we always put something academic around it. But I think too many times in coaching uh, that we get caught up in what the guys do on the court or on the field. And I always have been, I want to get to know you as a man. I want you, I don't want you to trust me. I always tell our guys when we recruit them, don't trust me. I can recruit with anybody, it doesn't matter. I've done this so long. Uh, I want to earn your trust. I want you to see that I'm authentic, that I believe in you, that I care about you, that, you know, coaches say, I'm here for the next 44 years. Show me. Call me in the middle of the night when I'm having problems with my wife. Call me in the middle of the night when I maybe had a little bit too much to drink and I don't trust myself to drive. Call me when, I'm, when my mom died. Call me when my dad died. Call me when I'm Coach Smith and I'm in the middle of Afghanistan or Iraq and I get one phone call for maybe 20 minutes and it's the worst time of your life. Uh, those are how you build those relationships. And um, you know anybody can be there for you in the best of time. Cut. I never cut a net down. We won, I think, 16 championships or 15 whatever championships at St. Vincent. And I never cut the net down one time because I never thought that that was my place. My place was the games about the players. And if we just keep it to that, you never have any problems. So you've had, I know you, you busted my stones about it because I, I got it wrong. What was it, 15 or 16 straight 20-win seasons? Uh, I think 13. 13 straight 20-win right seasons? Here. I don't know if it was straight, but I think it's, that's how many I have. Oh, I thought it was the straight. Okay, that's how many you have total. No, okay, no so. the most I ever, we had one, I had one losing season in my entire life, okay, and since coaching, and it was the best season uh, that I ever had because you know why? I found out I hate losing, and I, 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 I hate it. 
I, it, it drove me crazy. But I learned more about myself because I didn't work hard that year. So when you start talking about recruiting, mm -hmm. which obviously, like you talked about, getting some Division One kids mm -hmm. and all that stuff, there's talent, right? You've been to the national semifinals. You've been mm -hmm. to the national tournament. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, the talent levels out, right? I mean, everybody's got dogs mm -hmm. at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Those those teams that are that are playing later in the year, they usually have the best players. I mean, that's just, that's football. That's yeah. that's basketball. Right. No matter what it is. So, what is it that separates? your teams of being able to continuously win year after year late into seasons where some teams who may have equal talent may falter off or what gives you the advantage in those games versus teams where you're like oh shoot they have equal talent to us or maybe even they might have one or one or two extra guys that I may not have what is it that separates your teams from those teams when it comes down to it well I think that what separates us is what happens in our locker room. Uh, the relationships, what trust the guy to the right of you, trust the guy to the left of you, uh, the moments and the tight moments playing in tight places, uh, practicing it every single day where you simulate those tough situations so the game becomes easy. Making practice harder and then guys, when you, I knew we were gonna be good last year. I mean, when I took this job, this was a terrible job. I mean, when I say terrible, they had two basketballs, a deflated ball, a pink locker room, and something that they were calling a basketball program. And I knew it was going to be a tough, and in, in all due respect to President Armstrong, he said there was some heavy lifting here. And there was. But I will tell you, you know you got a good team at the end of the year when guys are saying, hey, can we get some individual development in? Hey, can we, get, can we practice a little longer? And that's when you know you have a good team. My teams have always been that way. They've gotten better at the end of the year. They've always been guys who, you know, they have a hunger. Uh, and it all starts in recruiting when you sit down in that living room inside somebody's house. Why lie? Because the truth's going to come out. You know, what do you think? I'm some nice guy? Dude, I'm not as nice guy as you think. There's going to be tough love. There's going to be times when we're not going to like each other. Hey, there's going to be times where hey, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say things that rub you the wrong way. But at the end of the day, if you love your guys and they believe in you, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing. And if you lie to your guys and you're something you're not, players will sniff you out every single time. And I want our guys to call me out. If I'm not doing what I say I'm going to do, I want my guys to call me out. So with the, the current climate of our world obviously there's some heavy protests and there's a lot of mm -hmm. stuff going on how do you find common ground with basketball being I'm sure the majority of the team is primarily African-American a lot mm -hmm. of the guys that I've met that you've coached have been African-American mm -hmm. uh, where do you find the common ground to be able to not only have a little bit of sympathy for the events that have gone on but to have some empathy for these guys that you care about and guys that you've grown close to, like you said, you're the guy parents of their kids and these things. Mm -hmm. Where, How do you find that empathy to be able to put yourself in their shoes and to be able to help them through these tough times? Listen, the guys who I coach, they we start on ground zero. Don't trust me. Secondly, we start on ground zero that life's going to be tough. You know, I grew up I, I, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I married a single mom. 
and a lot of my guys come from tough backgrounds, okay? Uh, for me, with our players, I make it very simple. Uh, you know, don't ever underestimate the change that you can make. You know, Joey Butler, who played for me, uh, his brothers Lamar Butler played on the Final Four team at George Mason. I remember when Obama was elected, and uh, I don't care who you vote for. I really don't. Uh, on my end, Joey brought in absentee ballots for all his players uh, that were on the team. And Joey said, I don't care who you vote for, but vote. And it was one of the most beautiful things that uh, I thought happened. Uh, in our current climate, where we live right now, we had a Zoom meeting, and, and I, I'm not a big Zoom guy because I, I, like I like to see you face to face. I want to be able to reach out and touch you, reach out and grab you, reach out. Whenever you see me with one of my players, we always hug. My former players will always hug each other because we think it starts there. But I will tell you this, that on that Zoom call, we have a young guy here, uh, Amon Ellington, who's going to be a freshman. Amon's from Birmingham, Alabama. And I had players who have their PhD, guys who are, you know, uh, you know, they have their MBA. We had 38 guys that former players of mine. And then the kids from here were on the Zoom call. And, and Amon Ellington, 19 years old, talks about being from Birmingham, Alabama, and spoke so elegant and so with passion. And, you know, I have Dr. Jeff Mallory. He's on there. And, you know, Jeff's an African-American male who wakes up every day trying to help everybody and uh and i'm proud i, I gotta be honest with you uh but his his role i'm sorry to cut y'all his role is about diversity and chief diversity right? officer yeah, at, uh, at duquesne. duquesne university right. catholic school i'm so proud of him and like i said i'm godfather to his son yeah. but jeff and i have conversations and we had white guys who had played for me reach out to him and say i'm not feeling right about this and and them having that dialogue when you play on a team with guys, we should be able to agree to disagree. I really believe that. Uh, we don't have to have the same views. And you should, if you played for me, you should be able to call the guy up and say, hey, I don't understand this. Just because you graduate doesn't mean that we're not still teammates, we're not still family. That we should be able to talk it out. You know, I, I have a thing that I think so politically incorrect that I my players always say to me I never care I don't care if you're white black green or yellow I'm gonna treat you the same and that's how my wife and I we handle our business every single day uh, when I came here we did feed America when I came here we did um, we took the team to walk in the streets of Miami Gardens uh, and did domestic uh, violence domestic uh, abuse my mom, she, she, she was one of those women, you know, that was my life. Uh, I knew the community that I was coming into when I was uh, coming to St. Thomas. I know what Miami Gardens are. I've been well received here. I love this community. There are great people who live right outside our gates who need our help. So as you are navigating through and you got guys who are, again, African-American, mm -hmm. and you, you know, obviously you just talk about how you can relate and mm -hmm. go through some of the things that they go through. What would you tell those guys? So like right now, the mm -hmm. NBA, right? Mm -hmm. There's well, one faction of guys saying, we don't need to you know, be a part of 
coming back because it's a distraction to what's going on mm -hmm. in America. Or some guys are saying, well, we can use our platform to be able to make change. Where do you sit and what do you kind of encourage your guys I, to do? You know, as far as not saying tell them to play or tell them not to play, but if if you were advising your guys, would you think would you kind of steer them towards not playing and making that 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 stance known, or would you more so challenge them to use their platforms to be able to create some sort of social change? Yeah, I mean, you're a LeBron guy, right? Big time, big time. I always feel that if you have a voice for the voiceless, you need to use your voice. Your voice may come in a lot of different ways. And certainly, I believe that the NBA guys, if it's safe for them to play, they should play. And they should, uh, it's every person's right to, and I had this conversation with our players, to demonstrate, to speak their mind, uh, but do it in a manner that is opposite of what society tells us. You know, one of the things like, we don't need to destruct people's property, okay? Hear our voice. But some people have been screaming so loud for so long, what do you think is gonna happen? And I believe that. I mean, that was a conversation that I've had and, and a lot of my guys agree with me. Uh, but a lot of my guys, uh, they're scared. You know, fear comes into it too. I really believe that. I mean, you know, here's my guy, Jeff Mallory. He's trying to raise his family. He can't even turn the TV on in fear of what his little girls see. You know, a lot of my guys, they, they call me and, I mean, when they saw, you know, people ask me, oh, you know, uh, the George Floyd. Uh, you know, it, and, oh, it's sensitive. Here's a white guy sitting with a black guy, and we're going to talk about George Floyd, right? We work together every single day. And I don't even know if we had this conversation. Uh, I told our guys, when I saw that happen, both of my wife and I sat on the couch and cried because what we saw was all the faces of my former players, men of color, what they were feeling at that time. And it kills us. You might as well just take a knife out and cut our wrist because those are the kids that we had in our house. We cooked for them. They swam in our pool. We loved them every single day. They called us. We were their second phone call. Hey, we're going to have a baby girl. Hey, we're going to have a baby boy. Hey, all of those, the conversations you want to have. So we, we, I think about all the kids, even our young guys here today, just Sim Floyd, you know, you know, all the guys that we have, you know, that are great kids, we worry about them constantly. I'm a worrier. I worry about my guys all the time. So... Moving forward, mm -hmm. all right, because obviously we're still in a tough time. We got pandemic, mm -hmm. we got mm -hmm. political protests, we got all these things going on. Is this going to affect or how is it going to affect, you know, some of the ways that you deal with your kids? Obviously, we talked about relationship building. Oh, you do that. But like, we're, we're, Alex, we're changing a ton of things. Uh, I haven't even discussed them with the university, um, but we are going to have uh, Tuesday talks. One of the things with the COVID-19... I want to spend less time on the court. I want to do some more things with our guys um, with getting our local police department in here and you know certainly Officer Genty working with him with our community getting our guys men of Keller out in the community. I think it's important that this change doesn't happen you know 
it, it, oh, we're going to have change. No, we're not. We're going to have change if it starts when you're in fourth, fifth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, tenth grade, twelfth. This is 25 years of hard work that needs to be done. And the kids who are 12 years old that come to basketball, you got to pass it. 12 years old who come to basketball camp, you got to pass it on. And guys who are, you know, you're 20 now. When you're 40, you're going to see the, it's an everyday battle. And we need, we need to battle every day for a better America, right? And when I say it, I mean, you see people on, you know, you can be a better person if you're white or black. You know what I mean? Like, uh, come on. You know what I mean? I hear people, I go, are you out of your mind? You know, like, uh, we can all be better people. Our players, you and I together, work every single day. Uh, you know, I always say, people always, there are people that I'll meet, they'll tell me, and, and, and I kind of, you know, the guys who I'm close to, I have barely small circle, uh, but the guys I'm close to, they know exactly where I stand in the moment of truth, right? And, you know, guys will tell me their opinion, and I won't say anything. And, you know, and to me, I see you. I've always seen people for what they are. And some people you just can't change. They're going to be who they are because that's who they are and they have a belief. And they're going to say one thing to you when they come in the room. And when they walk out of the room, they're going to say something different. I tend to be in the company of people who, when they walk in this room, their views this way. When they walk out that room, their actions are the same views that they speak. And I don't, you know, one of the things for me, I'm very careful about what I post because I don't want to offend anybody by what I post, but I want people to see my actions. Because we live in this, hey, I'm going to put, no, I don't care about that crap. I care about what you do every day and how you live your life and how you're going to help your fellow man, how you're going to make this place a better place for your kids. All right, so we had a class. I think we were in it together mm -hmm. last semester. I think it was with Epling. Um, it was a special topics class, and we had to come up with a project to do, right? Mm -hmm. So as you sit here and you talk about actions and doing things, this is actually the first that I'm verbally saying this. I turned it into Epling. Okay. And just so you know, this is what, this was two, three months ago. It was before all this stuff, this stuff right, happens. Right. This, was, this was a while back. I've been in this class I'm in now for eight weeks and this was before all of that, right? So mm -hmm. this is before all this stuff happened. My assignment was a flag football tournament for change. Okay. All right, so my idea was we got our soccer field here, that could be two flag football fields essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Our practice football field could be two, so that's eight, that's four fields right there, mm -hmm. right? We got the one behind the sand volleyball, that's another two fields we can make right there just to play flag, so you're talking 50 yards or so, mm -hmm. right? So then you have the baseball field, we can use the outfield, mm -hmm. right? So you get about eight fields, okay? We may not need that many, but my idea was to get police team so like you talk to you know sergeant Denty and we can make that happen maybe um they get some fire department just mm -hmm. service workers uh we got homestead uh i think that's uh, air force base down there mm -hmm. maybe get some people from you know some service people uh, some reserves or whatever mm -hmm. they get a team um and then like some of these community groups so some of the church groups that we have around here or whatever they get we get 16 teams let's just use that as a as a number some mm -hmm. some 
community people, teachers, police, fire, service, whatever it is. And everybody gets a team. You come out. We play a nice tournament. Everybody daps it up. We have some fun. And then afterwards, we all break bread and we educate each other. Students will talk about some of their fears, right? You talk about some of the guys that are worried about maybe leaving their house or something like this. Mm -hmm. um, we talk about, uh, you know, the police officers. What are they afraid of when they come up to a, a traffic stop? Why Absolutely. are things getting so out of hand, right? Mm -hmm. So we can talk about that. Uh, we can talk about the procedures and some of the things that we can do to combat each, everybody's, concerns mm -hmm. and we break bread we have a lunch or a dinner depending on what time this thing is we, we do that we share ideas everybody comes together effort to get to know each other meet on some common ground so it's not so much hatred it's not so much venom it's not so much negativity mm -hmm. but it's in an effort to do that and everybody loves sports and we always talk about as coaches how sports are basically a microcosm of Bring life Every, it always brings people together every situation that you're going to face in the street you're going to face in the locker room or you're going to face on the court. Not obviously to the same mm -hmm. extent, but you're always going to face adversity in, in a basketball game. You're always going to face adversity in a football game. You're always going to face adversity in practice. You're going to always face adversity in school and balance and all those things. So if we put all of those ideas together, right, we can p potentially put together. And maybe it doesn't start with 16 teams. Maybe it starts with eight teams. Maybe it starts with five teams, four teams. Whatever it is, but we get some people from the community together and we, again, we talk about, we, we play ball, right? We compete, mm -hmm. we have fun, and then we talk about some of these issues. We bring everybody together. That was my, that was my project that I turned in to Dr. Effling a couple months ago, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think there's no better time for that to happen than now, right? Mm -hmm. It sucks because we have a pandemic so right. it makes it a little bit tough to interact that way especially in Dade County because this is one of the more stricter uh, one of the more strict counties in, in, in America mm -hmm. but at some point you know once things do kind of loosen up maybe at some point once we do kind of get out of this this scare would you want to be a part of or what do you think that we could do to maybe make that happen absolutely I think it's a great idea I so, think I think it's a fabulous idea I think one thing that, um, you know, I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, we are trying to, um, we call ourselves the community's team here, right? You, you coached the football team with Coach Reichel, and, and we, we call ourselves the community's team. If we're truly the community's team, we should make serious community change, and we should be the, you know, this beacon of great education in the middle of Miami Gardens and I think it'd be well received I mean even doing it with the young kids as well putting on a free football clinic and that kind of stuff I mean I think people need to get to know Bill Reichel you know the young kids of this community I mean I think all of us as coaches need to be more active within this community here in Miami Gardens uh, you know sometimes we get so busy in our day you know we say oh, I'll do that later I'll do that later I don't know. It's too much later now. I think it's now. It's the time's right right now. Yeah, the immediate. I, I just think with the pandemic again. Yeah. That's why I was thinking about it. And obviously, you know, some people around the community because, like mm -hmm. you said, you've done some community mm -hmm. engagement uh, activities. Um, you know, we we still, for at least a short period of time, still have our director of community engagement. Mm -hmm. But I mean, she's not 
you know, she's still going to be around, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can still reach out to her and maybe get her involved in it as well. But um, something that you would be interested in helping out and putting Absolutely. together and doing. Absolutely. And then when I was thinking about it, the reason why I brought it up to you is because maybe we start an entire series of it, maybe once a year's football, but then once a year we get a couple basketball. We got the side courts there. Absolutely. We can get a little basketball tournament doing the same thing. You know, football is mm -hmm. not for everybody. Yep. Uh, you can get men and women involved in both, but, you know, you can have a, a co-ed situation so that now it's not just men talking. It's not yeah. just black people talking. It's everybody coming together, law enforcement, black people, white people, the community, like you said, the entire community, which is made up of different people mm -hmm. coming together and common ground and educating each other as far as our, our stances go. So do you think that we would be able to maybe do a basketball series with it as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. One of the things my wife and I, um, we're starting on this thing called Hoop and Read. Actually, we would have been doing it this week uh, for for kids in our community where they were coming in in the morning, 8 to noon, and then from noon to 1230 have lunch, and 1230 uh, to 2 o'clock do uh, science and reading or math and reading. Uh, but we didn't get to do it because of the pandemic, and our hope is to do that next year uh, in conjunction with some foundations and stuff. So we hope so. What's a plan? I think we can to start. start. Like it's I said, start. I, I, I tweeted something the other day. Absolutely. And I said, I think we need to be the change that we want to see in our locker rooms, right? It's mm -hmm. our job to educate our guys so that we can be the change that we want to see. And I think, you know, as coaches, and I was on a Zoom call with some other coaches, high school football coaches mm -hmm. around the area, up in Palm Beach, actually. And, you know, that was one of the things that we all kind of came to a consensus as to our role in this whole thing, which is, you know, we all have our locker rooms. We all have our campuses. We all have our communities. If we're doing constantly doing things in our communities, these messages won't get lost. And we can, you know, continue to push the narrative forward. Like, I went to a demonstration this past weekend, and we went around and we were, you know, we were chanting Black Lives Matter and all, mm -hmm. you know, doing, doing the, the peaceful protest. And it was awesome. I, was, I thought it was a beautiful thing to see people come together and to, to be a part of that. Um, but I, I want to be able to be involved in more actionable activity, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I think Jay-Z used that when him and Roger Goodell were talking about the NFL. Like, he said, we're past kneeling, which I think you still kneel to continue to bring the, the, the awareness. But at the end of the day, what's next, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought... You know, to go back to the protest that I was at, I thought the march would have been a little bit more impactful if we would have marched to City Hall on mm -hmm. a Friday or a Thursday when we know people are working. If we would have marched to the police station where, you know, the nearest police station or whatever, and we would have gotten there during, a, a, you know, work time or whatever. Obviously, Saturday, the police station never stopped, so we could have gone there. I just feel like those are things that, you know, that's the next step, all right? Mm -hmm. So we're bringing the awareness. We're getting together. It's beautiful. But what's the next step, right? So to me, this football or this basketball thing is the next step. I don't know what Joe, you know, if you have any additional thoughts on that. But well, I think, uh, you know, you hit on the, I, I was talking, and, and I mean, my thing is uh, kneel down and stand up. Stand up and make a change in your community. Run through the wall if you got to run through the wall. But make a positive change in your community. I mean, I just, it, it, you know, I know what it stands for, right? But I always say, and I, and I won't ever move from this, 
I have to see a man's body that work. What, what's your life's work, man? You know, what have you done? I don't like guys who do something for two weeks or a month and they, they talk about it. I want to see somebody who will do it for 20 years, for 15 years, who will live that. And you might, hey, there might be a guy who, he, you know, he, he didn't live that life. He didn't, you know, and all of a sudden, if this is what happens and he changes his life and for the next five years or the next 10 years, he changes and he makes our world a better place, you can do that too. You know, hopefully that's part of what's going on in America. But at some point, we got to have that come together. I didn't know you from Adam when I worked here. When I first came here, I didn't know you. I had no idea. We got to know each other, and we got to know each other a little bit more. And then when we, why I like you is because, Alex, I see greatness inside of you. I see a man who is passionate about his players and cares about them. I think you're incredibly smart. And when I took you to Latrobe, that passion, you can, when I'm around you, I can smell football. I can smell the fall of Western Pennsylvania because that's the only football I know. I don't know this, you know, <laughs> stuff. That's not my idea of football is that hot August day in Latrobe and, you know, a Ben Roethlisberger or, you know, the guys coming up the steps and the cling of their cleats or that that hot sweat in the afternoon and Mike Tomlin dressed in black all the way from his shoes to his neck and that hot 105 degree sun and the passion coming out of those you know he always wears sunglasses and he got those killer eyes that's football to me and when I'm around you I smell that I, I taste it and that's why I like you so much and it's hard for men to talk to men that way a lot of times, and we try to teach our players, man, we get our guys, we want them to be uncomfortable, to get comfortable. But to be able to sit and talk with somebody and talk the way we talk, that's a beautiful thing. Yep. And I'm very grateful for your friendship. Very grateful. I'm not always right. I certainly am not. You're not always right. We can agree to disagree. And that's what change is based on. And that's why... America's a great place and will always be a great place. And we'll make St. Thomas a great place because of it. But I'm serious, like, I, I appreciate you saying that. I don't all that think I've made I enough think. change at St. Thomas. Well, and that's and why I don't, I, I mean, sometimes, hey, I knock on the door. I told our guys, we got to beat on the door. Yeah. Sometimes you got to break the door down. Like, I, I told our guys, I don't understand why we do this. And they talked to me, hey, coach, why do we do this? It might be some things that we eat. Okay, tell me. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 years old, man. You're 18. Tell me why I'm wrong. My guys have to teach me stuff all the time. It's a whole different world, man. And if we don't change with our kids and we don't teach our kids part of what makes us average, uh, you know, I always really believe you can take an average guy and make him great. You can take a great guy and make him exceptional. But in those rare cases when you get the exceptional, and you get a chance to coach him, it's, I thought Justin Brown was my, my guy this year. I yelled at him, screamed at him, this, that, the other thing, and all he greeted me with was a smile. Okay, coach, what do I gotta do better? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. So what's next? All good stuff, man. All what's next stuff. is me and you. What are we gonna do? I'm telling you, once we get this pandemic and we can kind of bring some people on campus and do what we gotta do and have some group activity, 
I want to try to do it. Now, again, if it's, you know, that doesn't happen until August, I got to obviously feed my family yeah. first, and I got a job to do you. here. But we in Miami. It's not cold. We can do it in December. Do it we can in do December. it in January. Absolutely. We can do it in, Absolutely. And I know you had talked about some Martin Luther King Day activities mm -hmm. and things like that. Maybe we tie that together. I think that'd be great. You know what I mean? So once we put some of that stuff on paper or once you kind of have a plan and I have a plan and we see what is legal to yeah, do yeah, with yeah, the yeah. CDC and all those things, I think we put something together. Maybe we do it on Martin Luther King Day. Maybe that's the appropriate day. Maybe it's a, a, a kickoff to Black History Month. Or maybe it's something of that nature. Maybe we come up with a, a, a date of when we want to kind of start moving this thing forward and start reaching out to whoever we got to reach out to. You with that? I'm in. I'm in 100%. <laughs> you don't have to ask me. You don't have to ask me. Just tell me when to be there. You're the boss. We got 20 wins this season. Who, us? Us. Our basketball team? Our basketball team. Man, listen, I look at it every single day. I have it on my desk every single day. Every single day, Alex, I look at that because my responsibility is to those guys right there. If we don't win 20 games, well, we might. Uh, let's hope we play 20 games, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, will we win the conference this year? Absolutely. Last Call year, it now. Just like that. There you go. You know what I mean? Because why? I believe in my guys. I didn't know these guys at all. And then brought some guys in. We mixed some guys, you know. But we're gonna, we're going to win here. It, come on, man. It's Miami, you got the sun, you got the weather, you know, and, you know, it, my understanding is I work for a president who likes to win. So uh, I've won my whole life. I don't think I'm going to lose here. <laughs> well, you said it. We're going to make it happen. There you go. We're going to win. We're going to win football. We're going to win basketball. We know we're going to win baseball. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> we know we're going to win baseball. They're right? right out there practicing right now. When I came here, I was like, when do those guys go to class? They're on the baseball field all oh, day long. Yeah, yeah we Holy got them. Shit. got women's basketball. Mm -hmm. I know Canada's doing some good stuff. Uh, you know, softball's coming up. I know they got cut short, so they're going to be hungry this year. Uh, volleyball, we got a new coach. Whitney so going to knock it Whitney out of the park. Whitney going to knock it out of the park. You should have Whitney some on your podcast. Uh, she got to agree to do it. You know, I okay. didn't. I don't know that I've asked her. I don't think she'll tell me no. But you when you get Coach Rakel on your uh, podcast, uh, as soon as he settles into this AD role and he has some some more, uh, a little bit of time because the dust kind of settles a little uh -huh. bit. There this is go. a new role for him. Yeah. I don't want to overwhelm him with my stuff because this is a passion project. This is, I don't get paid for this. Oh, I think okay. I made a dollar off this podcast over the last eight weeks with advertisements. <laughs> so my highest rated show, I didn't put an advertisement on it. Oh, that. okay. So, you know, I didn't want to mark, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I just didn't want to cheapen the message from the last pod, so mm -hmm. I didn't want to put a advertisement on there to cheapen the. Okay, the so message. I'll tell you this: I'll, I'm down right now for the flag football thing. Whenever we do it, my wife and I will write a check for a thousand dollars to get it off the ground. We'll take it. There we you go. Got to put it. We got to. I got to figure out how to you maneuver it, it out because I've we'll, never done it before. No, we'll figure it out together. So, but my wife and I are in for the first thousand, and I'll get us another thousand from uh, Mr. Mallory. All right. I'll and get him out of said it, And yeah. we'll, we'll start working on that end to try mm -hmm. to figure this whole thing out. And we'll figure out exactly what we need. We'll figure out where that money's going to go because it's got to go somewhere. I don't want to, you know, I, one of the, the tough parts about people donating money and donating to causes and trying to organize these mm -hmm. things is a lot of people are worried about where the money goes. Oh, so no, I want to we, make we'll sure. We'll show where the money is. No, no I'm saying I want to make sure. It's gonna be, I don't want you to have to take money out of your pocket. Right. I just want to make sure that everybody 
is on the same page as far as what everything is going towards and the, the, the mission, mm -hmm. the direction. Everybody's, on this, everybody's in lockstep moving forward with that. And I want us and St. Thomas University to be at the forefront of it there in Miami Gardens. There you go. All right? All right. That's right, so a wrap, man. I appreciate you. Um, that's it. Podcast over.